everyone, and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today, we will be talking about the third episode of Riverdale Season 7, Sex Education. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski, and I am joined this week by Hannah Elam. Kirsten is still out of town, but I'm so glad to have Hannah here so that you don't have to listen to me ramble around this episode by myself, because that would be boring and uncomfortable. (laughs) Yes, I was just talking to Mary about how I probably should have just looked at the title of the episode before agreeing to come on. Um, we're both, um, I would say we're both not super excited. And, and especially in that way to talk about this episode. Oh, yes, we are not excited. Oh my gosh. I look, there were like a couple moments that I thought were interesting from this episode, but there was a large chunk of it that made me feel very uncomfortable. And um, look, I'm not saying that everyone watching this episode needs to feel uncomfortable. What I am saying is something about them going back in time, both to the 50s and to back in high school, like they're now juniors in high school again, which is definitely, let's just say, underage. It's just uncomfortable. It's like, oh, great, sexualizing teenagers again. Super weird. Right. Well, and and especially once we've had that kind of content, and I don't know, I don't know what it is exactly. The other thing for me is that I think this is something that should be more widely talked about, like that people are are more comfortable discussing. Um, and, and like, so it's just kind of frustrating when the adults in the situation aren't really broaching it with the people. And like, in these situations, kids are going to to figure it out on their own anyways right and we saw we saw the various ways of how that happens so it's like it's better I think my my opinion which is not how it was approached about for me either or like you know so I don't really but my opinion would rather just be more straightforward about it and be open to talking about it rather than it just being something that you have happen at a random person's house where mm-hmm. everyone's getting together yep uh not the first time we've seen a baby basically orgy party. Um, I mean, luckily, this episode doesn't actually go there. Uh, the most uncomfortable part of this episode was the like dream sequence. Yes, 100%. So, and that that's kind of more what I'm talking about when I'm saying like sexualizing teenagers. It's like, yeah, look, it's it's fine to explore content where you've got teenage people in high school who are like, oh, sex is a thing. Let's learn about it. It's another thing when you're like, let's montage a bunch of people like aggressively making out. Um, I, You know what? It's fine. Maybe this it, it holds a place somewhere in media but Hannah have you ever seen the movie um the blue lagoon no okay I would not recommend it for you personally but (laughs) so the the blue lagoon is it's interesting because it was a movie let me see when it was made I feel like it might have been like I don't know if it was sounds like 70s yeah um Okay, the Blue Lagoon, 1980. Wow, I'm doing so good at guessing numbers <laughs> recently. Um, so the Blue Lagoon is a movie starring Christopher Atkins and Brooke Shields that uh, was sort of like this. Oh, know, does she have movie. really long hair? Where like it like very strategically long yes. hair. Yes, yes. yes. Um, so it was something that like kind of put Brooke Shields on the map too. Uh, the most uncomfortable parts are I think she was 14 when she starred in the movie. She she was too young to see the movie once she had starred in the movie. Um, um, and I can't remember how old Christopher Atkins was, 17 or 18. He was older than her. Um, and there's a lot of like creepy stuff about it, like how the director of the movie like wanted the two of them as actors to fall in love, uh, despite the fact that like she was way younger than him. Anyway, but the plot of the movie is that these two cousins, they did not need to be cousins either, cousins are on like a shipwreck and get stranded when they're, I don't remember how old, six, seven, eight, like young. That, okay. And yep. And then, so then it's like a romance where you You've got these two people that the the most uncomfortable part for me is that they're like kids who grow up but have all of the knowledge and mentality of like a child because they were stranded when they were six, seven, eight years old. But then they start getting like the urges of teenagers. Yes. And it's like, again, I think it's like supposed to be sort of a like romance. Like, oh, this is so pure, the love of these two people. But like if you rewatch it with the like reminding yourself that how old their like mentality is it comes across just like very creepy and i thought about that because um the blue lagoon why was the blue lagoon on my mind recently oh because william daniels who plays uh mr feeney in um 
in Boy Meets World is like yes. in it very briefly. And uh, oh, okay. my friend had sent me that recently. I was like, why was I thinking about Boy, uh, Boy Meets World and Blue Lagoon? So th- the reason I brought that up is there's like something sort of akin to that in this episode of like, they're not children, yes. but they've got this very young, naive mindset, like all of them do for the most part. Maybe not Veronica, but it seems like like Archie, Betty, um, probably Cheryl, like a lot of them, Kevin, they're kind of like discovering things about themselves in this very innocent way for the first time. And and something about that makes it like more uncomfortable to watch them. Yeah. So it's not the same. It's not the exact same. But I did watch the Lifetime like mini series that was about I think it was Flowers in the Attic. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which yep. is where the brother and sister are locked in the attic together, and then yep. during those teenage years, right? So different but similarly nope. strange. Definitely. Definitely um, similar. Yeah. Well, and and honestly. That was one of the things that also weirded me out was the way that the Blossoms were going about trying to just their whole approach this episode. I mean, like, we know that they're not a great family, but this was definitely a question. They were taking some questionable ways of approaching getting Cheryl a a boyfriend as their desire, right? But I don't know. Not a a boyfriend in the same way that Alice wants Betty to have a boyfriend. Uh, It seems to be more of a... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is definitely different. So, all right, we can we can get into it. But um, yeah, I'll just say that if you're expecting detailed conversation about the like dream sequence, it's not going to happen. <laughs> if we are if we are uncomfortably uh, talking about things much more like literally than <laughs> than creatively, then that's why. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think if Kirsten was here, would she be more like? I don't know. I feel like she would just be like, oh, this is gross. <laughs> well, sure. and anything that has to do with Archie. And Archie was like heavily featured in that. So Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> I feel like there's always a point in every Riverdale recap where I'm like, here's the thing. Uh, I agree that Archie is my least favorite character in Riverdale proper. I do not enjoy the like, I'm going to go punch everything to solve all my problems. I'm like debating between singing and football, like that kind of thing. That's not for me. But I love this version of Archie. At least for now in the first three episodes, I love this more like this is the comic booky like he's just like he's just kind of innocent and like a good guy and and stuff. I like that. I find that to be fun. Um and I'm I'm there's a lot of characters. I'm I'm liking this version of Veronica better. It, there's subtle differences between this one and um her other character. I think like uh, Well Veronica, she's not the she wolf of Wall Street anymore. Right. I think because of the fact that she has yet to try and go like create a business but instead is just sort of having like you can have Veronica have the sort of haughty like I'm better than all of you attitude like I know more things kind of attitude and make it interesting when you take that personality and put it into into how does she interact with other people and then that's what they're doing now whereas in the other seasons it was like in season one that was more or less what Veronica was but then after that it was like Veronica has this go-getter I'm better than everyone personality and then she streamlined that into her own plots that have to do with her dad or starting a business or starting another business and that's like less interesting than seeing how other people interact with it because don't you feel like in the first six seasons or at the very least seasons two through six there was so much like the characters not really interacting with each other and when they did it was sort of like oh we're friends why are you friends how are you friends nothing has shown me that you would get along but you're just accepting each other's like personalities that don't seem to mesh whereas now at least it seems like they're being a little more realistic with how people would interact how like who is friends yeah i think well and i i don't <laughs> i don't know entirely i know that this has been a topic of conversation on the podcast of like mm-hmm. they're not even friends or like betty was in the sisters of quiet mercy for multiple weeks and nobody cared Cher- or not cheryl uh veronica's just off to the side and doesn't even like then they just talk weeks later and it's like oh yeah this is what I've been up to my best friend so it, it doesn't really make it definitely it definitely seems like they're trying to resolve some of the critiques that they may have been getting I felt I have thought that Jughead has definitely been leaning into all I care about is comics and burgers like every like it just every there's so mm-hmm. much more straightforwardness about that aspect of his character that I know mm-hmm. that 
I've heard was a critique in the past, you know? And so I think that there is some amount of leaning into and trying honestly to get some of that nostalgia, which I think is actually a very good ploy for this last season. Um, and I, and so I've, I've been, I don't know that I necessarily enjoy Archie just cause <laughs> now, now that it was pointed out that he seems like the oldest, like it is just weird when you have someone who who looks very much a, an established male, like playing uh-huh. a boy type figure. It just is weird making. So it's just <laughs> that that yeah. part has been kind of strange where he's like playing so much innocence, but so doesn't look that way. Yeah. And I agree with that. I just think that I I at least at the very least I like this version of Archie better than other versions. I'm not he's definitely still not my favorite character, but I don't <laughs> like hate everything when he comes on screen like I used to. Which is is funny because I will tell you my least favorite character in this season so far is Jughead. I find him to be boring <laughs> and I find him to be annoying and, and pretentious. And pretentious. And he he used to be my favorite, but I think I think part of the problem is there was this version of Jughead that I liked that really only existed for like half a season wasn't really a thing he existed for like half a season in season two and it's the version of Jughead that fan fiction ran wild with even though it's not particularly accurate to the show which is the like biker gang Jughead the like I'm kind of a loner I'm a loner and I'm a biker but I'm not hardcore into into, (laughs) I'm not into writing like writing isn't my main thing I mean it's like a part of my personality but my main thing is like social justice with the biker gang and that is what fan fiction ran with and i appreciate um and this version of jughead is fine i like this version okay like i agree with you i like the parts where he's like comics and burgers and stuff i still have not figured out if he's some of these friendships i haven't quite figured out i in this version is archie friends with jughead are they best friends are they not like so the first episode kind of made you think that they were maybe more friends but then once last episode and this episode it seems like he's more Dilton Doily, Ethel Muggs, like on those loners. Mm-hmm. So that's where I I would say he is the one that you question most. Why is he hanging out with this group, right? Because he right. was sitting around in the student lounge that is still kind of like, why do they have that? But <laughs> yeah, I was confused why he was in that group because he brings up later to the principal, like right. basically they don't seem to believe that he would be going to a party with this group of people because they don't seem to think he's friends with them. And, and I think I'd have to go back and re-listen to the intro from episode one of this season to see if he said and my friend Archie or something um but maybe he was that's still when it was him like remembering who he was right so I'm not quite sure on that one um also in one of the episodes I think it might have been episode one Archie mentioned oh like I'll have Betty fix my car so it seems like Archie and Betty are friends they're doing homework together and stuff but it doesn't seem like they're like we've been friends since childhood best friends yeah from across the street like we got in the pilot episode of season one so yes and I think and I think that's where some of these interactions are more happening unfolding in front of us now instead of it being this history that we're just supposed Mm -hmm. to believe has been there and you don't really see the proof of it um I mean we kind of still get that though with the relationship with Betty and Kevin a little bit just because yeah it seems like they've been so on the rocks but I feel like in the first episode of this season, they made it seem like, oh, Betty and Kevin, who are dating, who are like, they've always been dating. They're like a solid couple. And then we started talking to them more. And it's like, well, actually, no, they've been dating for a little while, but they're not even going steady yet. So it's unclear, like, how did they get together? Like, how did that ever happen? You know, was that just Kevin, like, trying to find someone to, I don't know, cover up his true feelings? I don't know. Yeah, well, and I don't know if he necessarily had too much. I mean, right, because again, we don't have the history but we see what's unfolding with his interactions with clay so like i don't know how much he actually mm, knew about those yeah, yeah or like was aware of them as much before these types of what's happening now right right yeah i agree um i do want to side note real quick just because this was on my mind um i have been when i was growing up i watched the tv show smallville which we've mentioned a couple times on the podcast because they like went to one of the smallville sets yeah. on one of the episodes back in season i don't know three four i have no idea when it was <laughs> sometime sometime in that range it sounds um, i think it's four because it's they're running away from when they were gonna get like arrested yeah it was when the gar- was it when the gargoyle king yeah because they go to that like town and 
like all of the people are working for Hiram on the anyway. Yes. Anyways. So uh, whenever that was, so I've mentioned that before, but I'm I'm rewatching Smallville right now, and for the first time in like ten years, rewatching it all the way through, and I get to an episode in season six, and I'm watching it, and it's an episode where uh, the main character Clark Kent is in a um, mental institute, and I'm looking at it like. This looks really familiar. Like the whole set just looks really familiar. And I know a lot of TV shows, I feel like mental hospitals can look similar, but I'm like, it looks exactly like the interior interior scenes that we had, especially in season one and two of the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Like when, if you can picture when like Polly is there in season one or when Cheryl's there, I'm like, these look very similar. And then he escapes and he goes outside and it is exactly the shot of when Betty and Jughead go to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy for the first time and they're outside and it's like a big brick stone building with like a big sort of archway in front of it um, or like stairs that go up to the sides. And I was like, okay, this is the exact, exact same place. Um, I looked it up and it is true, the Sisters of Quiet Mercy and the place that is, I think it's like Fairview Institute in Smallville, are both a real mental hospital in Canada um, that's called Riverside. So basically, the CW just films everything in the same spots, which is fine. But I thought it was cool that it it was the fact that it wasn't just a set. They used the same mental hospital to film two different mental institutes as well. But also kind of strange they used actual mental institutes. I feel like there's some interesting, I don't know, it just makes me think about how bad things were happening on the exorcist movie set and it's like why would you be inviting that sort of thing into your filming but i don't know i don't know it makes it makes for a good set that you don't have to build yourself so i guess i I guess it goes into it (laughs) i just wanted to bring it up because i know that you know this is both a podcast and also sort of my own personal riverdale diary right and so uh just i would hate myself if i didn't mention that um, all right, we've been talking for almost 20 minutes procrastinating about this episode. Let's actually talk about the episode. Part of me was wondering if <laughs> there's something strange about me, the fact that I'm like, man, I wish there was more about the murder in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But you're kind of a true crime. Uh, I, I, I'm interested in it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that I, my mom would watch the like very intense true crime things right before going to bed. I don't know that I'm quite there. But uh, I think it is good to be aware of the types of people that are around us. Mm, so. <laughs> I, I like blissful ignorance to that, but okay. <laughs> um, all right. So let's let's get into it. Uh, we finished the last episode with Ethel running into the sock hop covered in blood. Wait, which, have we done the Jughead voiceover? Well, no, I was going to say, which oh, leads into our okay, Jughead okay. voiceover. <laughs> felt all so right. off, off kilter. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> The year is 1955, and nothing like this has ever happened in Riverdale. One of our own, Ethel Muggs, had stumbled into the sock hop, covered in, what we would soon find out, her parents' blood. Both were dead, stabbed multiple times. Let me ask you up front, do you think Ethel murdered her parents? No. Really? Okay. Yeah, I don't think Hmm. Okay, I see from your notes that you disagree with that. <laughs> yes, because I've <laughs> titled this section, Ethel Totally Killed Her Parents. Um, I think, here's the problem with Ethel, Ethel killing her parents. If the whole point of this season has to do with Jughead and probably others like what is it making Riverdale point towards justice or something I can't remember what Tabitha's words were it was something like that oh bend towards justice bend towards justice then if Ethel is the murderer that's kind of like I feel like that's not really leaning towards the justice thing it seems more like they need to find the bad guy and catch them and figure out why and stop it but I also feel like if Ethel did kill her parents like we know her parents were not great people so does that give her a pass does it make it worse how would a random murderer if there is someone out there come and know to kill the bad guy like you know what i'm saying i i'm I'm not really sure how this is i've got to believe that this mystery is going to make sense in terms of the whole plot of the season but i don't know what that is yet i felt i got the vibes from both penelope and hal that there's some right so we're seeing from the the youths 
in the show. <laughs> it's a hard word to say. Sorry, I had to overemphasize the it. Youths, yeah. Yes, uh, that they have some of those similar um, interests that they had from you know the what we've seen in in last seasons of Riverdale. And I got I honestly when Penelope first saw the image, I thought she was like, hmm, maybe I should start a brothel. Like that's that's the vibe I was getting from her. I think it was a little bit different than what was actually happening. But I just also got some creepy things from Hal. And I th- like I feel like we can't re- forget what his past was or, you know, past in the future, whatever you want to say. So I feel like it's Hal. And and, and I think, you know, there there's some amount of history repeating itself again in the past, whatever. I don't know. But I, I don't think Ethel did it personally. It does. It does bring up a question of why were Ethel's parents bad? If OK, we need a word for like previous Riverdale, like I Riverdale, no. except for this season. Like, the, oh, man. <laughs> See, it was really easy to say, like, Rivervale and Riverdale. But, yeah. Um, Pre- like, previous, se- I don't know, previous seasons? But that's, like... PR? Previous Riverdale? Is that better? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's any better. All right, I'll brainstorm on this. But, okay. yeah, in the PR versions... <laughs> Um, Ethel's parents weren't bad, at least that we knew of. So why are they evil now? Well, I just think we don't know. We didn't know about them. So maybe they were still bad and we just didn't hear anything about it. Didn't they go to Ethel's house to do the whole like Chuck Clayton, like pouring honey or syrup or whatever it was on top oh, of him? Wasn't maybe. that a thing? I feel like that was at her house. Uh, maybe not. I don't know I don't why know. I thought that. But I felt like they were like, oh, we got to go to her house because she has a jacuzzi. <laughs> it's know. definitely possible, but it does, that doesn't yeah. really make sense either, though. I, there were like two or three episodes with Ethel that were sort of about her parents. I believe her dad did work at like a factory or something like that and he wasn't oh, there. Yes. And then I believe there was something about, it was something about Veronica's dad doing something bad that made him lose his job or something like that. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm wondering about her parents being bad, but it seems like Hiram and Hermione are not evil and they were previously, so. Well, we don't really know though. I mean, they're probably not evil in the same way, but. Yeah, I mean, they're actors, so. So, you know, it's different. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> They're so, living in the city of angels, you know? Yeah. They they don't have to tell us, but what do you think about the fact that um, Sheriff Keller has his job back? Oh, man. I mean, good for him. I, I <laughs> Okay. Again, this Dr. Werther's, I'm like, why are you always involved, though? He's always he's, there, and I just don't understand it. He, so... Uh, Maybe Sheriff, he's the killer. I, I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, so Dr. Werther, Sheriff Keller, sometimes Miss Bell, and Principal featherhead they're all together in in several scenes this episode and i've just called them the bad boys squad (laughs) so if you're wondering what that means in my notes um so ethel is going to tell the sheriff that uh uh, the milkman who they say is 70 year old wilkie no willie willie sorry killed her parents and everyone's like "Mm, i don't think he could do that uh she didn't say willie she just said the milkman she did just say the milkman um, Alice is going to bring Ethel to the Cooper house. I, so Alice, I guess she's sort of nice. I mean, she was definitely a little bit uh, racist <laughs> in season one or in episode one, at least by the fact that she didn't want to read her. Um, and, and by that, I mostly mean she she wasn't willing to stand up to the prote- potential implications of reading the um, story on the news because she might lose sponsors. So she was right. holding that above the, what we would consider the right thing, the right thing to do. Right. Yeah. So anyway, but she does at least seem nice here in that she's allowing Ethel to stay at their house. Hal's really not thrilled with it but alice is like yeah well you don't care about the family as much as i do one thing for me is that betty references her sister's old room yes so then that was that definitely stood out to me okay so this old room is she away at college like is there is she alive you know (laughs) because obviously is she older right we just don't know but that definitely made me kind of think if something had happened maybe that makes alice more open to having another younger child in the room or in the house like yeah. girl in the house. So I think in season one of Riverdale proper, Riverdale proper, call it RP. <laughs> Is that better? Not I don't know if we need an acronym. <laughs> I just want it to be short and quick and easy. Um, so in in Riverdale props. Oh, it could be. Or you know, I like RP because it could also stand for Riverdale past, but we would yes. know that it means the past Riverdale seasons. proper. Yes. In RP. Yes. <laughs> RP also kind of sounds like Archie. <laughs> RP. <laughs> In RP, uh, I think now it sounds like you're saying our our P. Yeah, it's no, like like, oh. like N as in the letter instead of uh, I and the word. Oh no, no. <laughs> 
<sighs> so in the first season, I think Betty was a, I think everyone was supposed Sophomore? to be sophomores. And I think Polly would have been a senior. Right. And so I think that, right, because we got into that whole confusion with our, our Cheryl and Jason, different ages, yes. but twins. <laughs> yeah, there's that whole thing, uh, which I think they're just not doing with Julian. It'd be really funny if they make a note to the fact that Julian is like a senior, which makes no sense. It's fine. <laughs> so Betty, uh, so I think Polly is two years older than Betty canonically, at least in RP. But here, I think that, um, so if they're juniors, she could theoretically have just like moved out, like just be older, either moved away right. or went to college or something. So I don't know if college is as uh, like common in this time. But yeah, probably not. Yeah. But maybe she's married. Maybe she's a housewife maybe. somewhere. We don't know. Yeah, who knows? So uh, yeah, they're there. Okay, Jughead is wondering if Ethel is hiding something. He's like, he talks about it and we'll see it multiple times. Apparently like a killer milkman was uh, uh, an issue of the Pep Comics comic books. It was something like The Pit of the Perverse or something like that uh, was the name of the series. But yeah, so he's like, maybe Ethel's hiding something. Um, Bad Boys Squad discuss the student and parent reaction to the Muggs' murder. And uh, they're like, oh, well, don't worry about that, though, because the juniors have a sex ed class coming up that Werther's is like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lecture them myself. I thought that was gonna be a bigger deal, but it doesn't end up being that big of a deal. And it, again, not the most helpful because you're not even talking about it. And I was so confused because he was talking about it in Bees and Flowers, which does make more sense than Birds and Bees because I was actually right. thinking, it was like, how are the birds involved? What yeah. is that? That doesn't even make sense. So. There's, yeah, there's more... Yeah, it, it works better with the bees and flowers. <laughs> <laughs> it does. But it's still not great. You're right. I think, like, yeah. they, you know, my stance on uh, on school sex education is that you just you need to be a little bit more upfront about it and, yeah. and not tiptoe around some things. Um, well, and I know. think it's I think it's like if you're I'm thinking I'm thinking about it like from a parent's position. I think if you want your kids to be comfortable coming to you with things, mm-hmm. you need to be open with them about information. So honestly, yeah. it's like the parent should be talking about this with their kids instead of expecting the school to just tell them all the information that they like would gather from this anyways so that's my two cents of like the first episode of season two when betty is like having breakfast and her mom asks her if she like had sex with jughead and she was like no but we almost did or something like that i feel like i feel like that's like a thing that that happened but also if you don't want to if you don't want to know the answer don't ask the question so yeah that's on alice (laughs) If, if she was mad about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So the Jughead's going to go to the police department. Ethel says that it, it wasn't it wasn't that milkman. So it wasn't Willie. But she says maybe it was another milkman or someone dressed up like a milkman. And she's worried that uh, the sheriff will think it's her because of the meat grinder drawing, which is pretty disturbing. Also, don't incriminate yourself by drawing a picture of yourself murdering your parents. Like, just don't do that. Even if you're mad at them, don't draw it so detailed where it looks like the people um so Jughead's like okay it's fine I'll go like get the get the drawing from your house yeah yeah which is it's interesting to me that he is so gung-ho of I don't know I I guess okay so I believe she didn't do it but it's just interesting that he is not more questioning of it I guess well, you I know, guess everyone else, I, I don't know. Maybe they're friends. Maybe they've been friends for a long time. We don't really know. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know. Maybe they've been best friends and he knows her from childhood. I don't understand why the the principal and the sheriff and stuff are later going to talk about like searching his um, train car. And it's just like this okay established fact that this is a minor living by himself. Right. Like, shouldn't he be in like foster care? Or, like, shouldn't you call social services? I just, I don't Well, understand. but maybe that's... Um, I don't know when those were established. (laughs) But they know, they say, like Alice says that she called social services for Ethel. So it's like they know that one child who doesn't have parents is, I think the problem is we just don't know what the scenario with Jughead is. Like, Is is that from the comic books? That he doesn't have parents? No, he has parents. I think he might even have like a sibling. He's got a dog and a house. Well, there's Jelly Bean in. in Right, and Jelly Bean. Yeah, so I think that maybe, or or either way, you know, it's fine. I, I think that 
maybe they're leaving room to like say at some point that his parents like exist. They just don't live here. Like we don't know that. We don't know. He's definitely living alone though. Um. Also, I just want to no, point hot out. hot dogs there. He's not completely alone. <sighs> right. Hot dog. I don't know how he's feeding this animal, but whatever. So. <laughs> that is he, a good point. He doesn't have a job. Yeah. It's, not that we. Oh, wait. No, he does. Because he works for Pep Comics now. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's. Yeah. But that's like really recent. Yeah. So how is he feeding the dog before that? We don't know. How is he know. paying for his abandoned train car? It looks pretty good. Like, I guess he's not paying for it, but um, so. That's the point of being in an abandoned train. Why would, how would they even know where he lives? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It's like established that they know where he lives and knows that he lives by himself, but they don't care about fixing the problem. Oh my gosh. So Ethel says she drew the picture of her grinding up her parents because she was mad that they didn't let her see the movie The Tingler, which is a horror movie that came out in 1959. So they can't have let you see it because it hasn't come out yet. Girl, if you're going to make references, why don't they just make some that are like relevant to the time? Because they're not that smart and they don't think that hard. Most of the other references that they make, I checked, were were in like the early 50s, but not this one. Um, Okay. Meanwhile, this is kind of in the other plot line, but Betty's going to go to Ethel's house to get her a change of clothes and she finds the book Human Sexuality by Albert Kingsley. I looked it up. I do not think this is a real book that I was able to find. Um, There are various authors named Albert Kingsley, various books called Human Sexuality, but not not connected to each other that I could tell. Do you think that it's a close but no cigar for something that's like very obvious that we just wouldn't know because we have not read the material? (laughs) Maybe. Only if there's like a book, if it's like somebody Queensley or something. Like I could believe that, you know, but I, I, someone let me know if if you find it, uh, if it is a close window cigar. I just hope it's not a Charles Chickens, you know, where you... We, we, won't, we won't talk about it for too long. So. Oh, gosh. Uh, the bad boys squad asked Jughead if he broke into Ethel's house yesterday. Uh, he says no. They call him a loner. They ask if he's Ethel's boyfriend. They call him an odd duck. And he's like, well, I'm going to a party tonight. So there. Um, that's, yeah, that was pretty much it. Alice called social services. Ethel does finally go back to school, but her and Jughead are immediately called to the principal's office where the bad boys squad said they searched Jughead's train car and found the creepy comic and her drawing. So dun, 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 that'll probably be in the next episode. Yeah, they also said it was, I'm, I'm just, it's so, it's so strange. The like timing at all. They're like, oh, after you left for school, that's when we searched it and we found it underneath your mattress and stuff. So I don't know. I don't think they have like the a warrant to search his train car, but well, I also but don't know again, if it's not like an official dwelling. Like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe they don't works. need that at this point. Not, maybe. There haven't 50s, been those. Yeah. Just willy nilly with their laws. Yeah. Well, that's um, about it for this though. And yeah. Yeah. I really, I don't, so, so you think Ethel did it? I, I, I'm going back and forth because either it needs to be, like you said, someone like Hal, and then it needs to, we, I'm going to need a reason for why he killed them, but we don't know that yet. Um, I think it is leading to your theory by the fact that Hal was even in this episode at all. He wasn't in the last one, but he was in this one. Why did they bring him back for this season? They didn't need to. So I do think it's possible if that is the case and he is. A murderer, I guess, is the answer that they're going to just, like, stop him from murdering people faster, and that's going to help bend towards justice? I don't know. Well, and I thought about this, too. It could That could lend to why Hal even more so didn't want Ethel there, because he wants separation from oh. the what's left of it, what's mm. left of the, the family murder. that he decimated? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's possible. Um, yeah, so we don't know. Also, stabbing, he did kill Midge by stabbing her. Oh, right. I'm glad yeah. that you brought up... Yeah, I'm glad that you discussed it was Midge, but it's a different... Because I looked that up after they talked that it was Midge in the last episode. Um, From the other Riverdale podcast I listened to, apparently the actress who plays... Who used to play Midge, um, that she is doing another project at the moment and that's why she wasn't available but i think it's hush hush what the project is hasn't come out yet so i don't know all right wonderful so, so you're in the barbie movie oh i'm excited for that it looks good um all right let's talk about sex baby <laughs> uh let's see penelope wonders while cheryl's developing unnatural proclivities uh she's painted a woman also the papaya imagery do we need the do I, we need the aggressive papaya imagery i didn't get that until it was just in the notes I was like oh that's that was oh, there I feel like in every like sometimes you'll watch commercials that'll be like for some sort of like um I don't know yeast infection cream and they'll just like show like someone like with a papaya they'll be like it's it's just it's like the most common like vagina imagery 
<laughs> I feel like. Yeah. Um, although I did have to Google because I wasn't sure if it was like I didn't I've seen that before, but I couldn't remember what the uh, fruit was. So I was like Googling like cantaloupe, mango, papaya. <laughs> it took me a while to find which one has the little black seeds. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, Penelope tells Cheryl she needs a boyfriend. And then Penelope tells Julian to go find Cheryl a suitable boy. Uh, the implication being here, go find Cheryl a boy to like straighten her out sexually which is like super weird for a parent to say well and then again it goes back to even just how julian then goes about that with archie is just so strange it's like oh she's been with college people so she has experience with this sort of thing and so it's just like why do you feel comfortable talking about your sister that way and also it's not true and it's weird that he thinks that that's a selling point to archie i mean it's sort of ends up being that right because he's like oh Cheryl's gorgeous but she's a little standoffish and then Julian instead of saying oh she's shy which I think would have been a good thing to say and then Archie would have been like or maybe shy is not the right word but like oh she's just she's just feels like there's no one who really cares about her I feel like then Archie be like oh I can be that for her but instead Julian said she's dating a lot of college guys that makes her more open-minded Archie has no experience does he need someone who's open-minded no. Well, I don't know, but maybe there's the implication because he's on, is he on the football team? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> we don't know yet. <laughs> we haven't seen any football. Yeah, I, it's just, it's all, it's all so weird. And then, okay, can we just skip to the, can we just wrap up this Blossom stuff? And yeah, so just sure. skip to the, to the end where like, so Archie and Cheryl have sex together. And Do they? Is that, you think that's the implication? I wasn't sure. She said she pinned, she she said he pinned me all the way. Yeah, I wasn't sure if she was just saying that. Like I could see that we get a flashback where because she she they're making out and then she definitely says like she's in, like in uncomfortable. Theory, she pinned him. If yeah, you really. really think about how things. Happen. But she's like she, she's kind of uncomfortable. She keeps telling him to put his hand lower. Um, well, actually, if she first says you can put your hand higher, then he tries, and she's like, not that high. <laughs> so um, there, yeah. And then he's like, oh, I'm nervous because you have so much experience. And then she says, look, I've never been with anyone. And then she's like, but I guess we'll just go for it. And like, wait, where did that come from? Like, I, so I don't know. I, I feel like we could see a flashback where it turns out that they didn't actually have sex, but they were just both awkward and fumbling and realized it wasn't. But they're definitely at least sort of pretending to have, or at least she's sure. she's pretending to her mom that she did. Um, she wants to have the the appearance of. Of, of that being the case and I don't know it just it is it is so upsetting to see like just going back to where to again being in the place where people aren't feeling like they can be open with their family and other people about mm-hmm. but it's, and, and again considering that the fact that this is placed in the 1950s it just it makes sense but it's it's upsetting to have it be actualized I guess well and it's it's also hard to tell because you have people like Tony who seem a lot more open with their sexuality, um, at least for for those who are sort of paying attention, right? And we don't know whether or not, like, let's say Principal Featherhead was like, "Oh, that's not cool." But I don't think he can do anything about it. Like, I don't, I don't know at this time. Like, could he, could he kick Tony out of school if he thought that she was a lesbian? I don't know. But if he, but like with Penelope, I think he could go to Penelope and say like Cheryl is doing this, and then I think like get her on board with some sort of action, right? right? Like, I think some of it probably still comes down to the parents in this case, but but I agree with you. I mean, this is like one of those weird things where when we saw the preview for this season, I was like, okay, we're going back to a time where everyone is more or less closeted. Yes. And that probably a lot, or at least some of the season is going to be about them becoming uncloseted or whatever, breaking out of the closet in some way. But like, does that fit the time period? I don't know. Like, what are the consequences for that? Is this going to be a rewrite of history where, oh, the town of Riverdale... Is, becomes the first town to ever be progressive. Like, I don't know. I don't know where they're going with this. Yeah, that's where it was surprising that Clay was so open with Kevin mm-hmm. so quickly, seemingly. I think and- with Clay and with Tony, they've got a massive, accurate gaydar and that they're just hoping <laughs> that if they open up, that maybe the other person will, <laughs> like... 
I don't know. That, that's that's the only thing I'm thinking of. But um, but yeah, they they end the episode like walking through school hand in hand, and so everyone's like, "Ooh, look at them together." Good yeah. For them. Um, maybe I don't know if it's good for them. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's like this. So there's this. Here's something I liked about the episode up front. I liked that we got a lot of everyone being together in scenes. There was a lot of everyone. I I, I have liked that a lot of my complaints about RP are not happening in this season so far. People are together, people are talking, and we're getting, like, this whole episode had, with the exception of the mystery plot that is just, just Jughead, apparently, but even Jughead made some time to be in this plot for a little while. Uh, the rest of the plot, there's one other thing that's happening, basically. It's people dating, people discovering their sexuality, the makeout party, the beatnik society thing. So Tony and Clay are both going to try to get Cheryl and Kevin, respectively, to go to this poetry night. And then there's sort of this whole, like, everybody, there's like all these couples that don't exist, right? Like Betty wants to be with Archie. Tony wants to be with Cheryl. Kevin wants to be with Clay. Um, well, and even then Cheryl wants Tony from the dream. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. And so you have all those. And then I guess there's sort of also like Archie wants to be with Veronica sometimes, um, but sometimes not because early on in this episode, Veronica apologizes to Archie and he's like, yeah, that's cool, but like, I'm actually good. Thanks. Bye. Um, I would also like to note here that the short banks have quickly gotten a lot longer. Yes, they have, which look a lot better. It looks um, way better. <laughs> So I feel like so then then we got we go to the dark room and it's like everyone ends up going with their basically their beard right like their uh their their fake partner or their their one sided relationship like Kevin and Betty yeah. are going together Archie goes with Cheryl uh Veronica goes with Julian I think I think that's all the couples I feel like there was another one but I guess it's just them is Clay there maybe oh Clay's well, just they, there performing. they perform yeah right. Clay, Clay and Tony are performing yes. um randomly there is a girl named Lizzo who is a high school dropout serpent. Um, who apparently likes Tony, but Tony's like, no. Uh, I would say it's a past relationship. It it's seems probably like a that. past relationship. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know if Lizzo is supposed to be like a play on Rizzo from like Greece. Greece? I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe it's just maybe it's just her name. Um, kind of sad that it wasn't Peaches and Cream, to be honest. <laughs> I liked her. Um, although I don't think, was Peaches a serpent? She was a pretty poison, but I don't know that she was a serpent or not. That's too detailed. I have I, no idea. I really hated the pretty poison's name. Mm, that was the worst. It's almost as bad as RP. Um... <laughs> So let's see. Everyone's there. Everyone's kind of awkward. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Everyone keeps asking each other to go to the movies, but nobody wants to see The Seven Year Itch. Um, Is that a real movie? Yes. And it, I believe it came out in 1955. So that, that one yeah. checks out. Um, Did you know? Sorry. I, I was I wanted to know what it's about, but not enough to look it up myself. Did you look um, it up? I, I, it's OK. We can we can skip it. I know. I feel like I did look it up. But it's it's um it's Marilyn Monroe. I think. Is that the one where she's like standing over the grate in the white dress i think oh okay um it's a romantic comedy uh yeah it, her standing over the subway grate with the white dress that's in it um the titular phrase which refers to a warning a waning interest in monogamous relationships after seven years of marriage oh okay so i think it's i'm guessing it's about a, a woman who's been married and then starts to want to date other people i'm not I'm, i honestly i said that don't I don't wonder if that would that. be helpful for some of the relationships that don't want to be with the person I, with. It's almost like that would have been a better title for the episode, yeah, but yeah. it's fine. <laughs> but none of them have been dating for seven years. Yeah, so it doesn't really. Um, but seven years of the show Riverdale. We've yeah, there we go. For new shows. That a thing? Oh my gosh, <gasps> that's their way of telling us. Yeah, we're ready to get out of this. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Um, I do think, like, there was several moments from Archie that I just thought were so adorable, though. Like, when he goes to ask Cheryl to the movies, he walks in and she's painting. And he's like, oh, cool painting, Cheryl. <laughs> I just, he's just so, like, innocent. It's cute. Um, uh, and, was it innocent, though? Or was he, like, Well, I just think it's, cool like, painting. instead of being, like, I don't know. And then, then she's, like, talking about this, like, poetry thing. And he's like, oh, I I've been writing some poetry. And she's like, yeah, that's, oh that's great for you. Don't care. I just thought it was, that was I mean, but honestly, I feel like I feel like that would be the moment that Kirsten most liked about this. Was, like, the shutting down of, like, Archie thinking that him writing poetry is cool. Yeah. <laughs> because you know what possible. poetry is so close to that made me sad about the last episode? Songwriting? Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. He didn't, I don't even know if he wrote that poem though or did he just find the I one know, that his did, dad wrote well, his mom that's what i was wondering the same thing uh, um <laughs> let's see cheryl asked to be taken home uh, oh yeah because tony does like a 
a, a dance poem. A sensual reciting. It's very sensual. It's a lot of... I don't know. Anyway, it's no, it's not exactly the serpent dance, but you know, um, Archie is such a dork because Cheryl kisses him goodbye, and he's like, "I didn't, I didn't expect for that to happen." It was cute. Okay, then, then we get to the scene. So Betty reads the book on human sexuality that she took from Ethel's room. Um, it's just a bunch of people making out. There's a lot of lingerie. There's a lot of shirtlessness. There's a lot of old-fashioned underwear that I didn't need to see. Um, and Betty's word in interest. Yeah, let's see. Uh, it's there's just like a lot it's like it's sort of all the all the couples that we had established and then the couples start to mix up so veronica pictures herself with archie and then uh, there's weird things where like cheryl's watching yeah like cheryl's watching one? them I, I didn't get that um cheryl and tony kiss clay and kevin betty and archie um kevin and betty are then gonna talk at school uh kevin's like oh yeah yeah tony's dance was whatever and then betty was like no it was like i can't remember she said iconic no she didn't say that she said something else but she was like very enthralled with tony's dance um maybe that's like a little hint at the fact that she's gonna do the serpent dance later mm, i don't know that would be um, wild. like how much are they like i want them to redo some of the things but i also know if they just literally redo like season two here uh, you know, there is there then is we wouldn't have to moments. go back and rewatch it. I I like the fact that it's like <laughs> now what they're able to do at this point, since they've destroyed all of the the normal couples that we're used to, they're allowed to see like what would it be like if Archie and Cheryl were together. Like we we did get yeah. that in season one actually, um, which is yeah, Cheryl actually liked Archie like in season one. I don't know, she wanted to be with him. That's kind of a yeah. We are kind of getting a flashback to that. Um, all right, so then we have the sex ed le- lecture, which we kind of already talked about. It's just Werther's with a flower. Um, then Betty's like, no, no, no. If you really want the, the juicy deets, you got to read this book. And Veronica's like, no, no, no. We need to just have sex. <laughs> it's like, wait, that sounds like a really bad idea if you don't know anything about it to just like go try. Um, so yeah, Veronica's going to host a makeout party and everyone's coming. And then they make a point to have Jughead said, no, thanks. I'm a germaphobe. And I did think that that was going to be like the, oh, Jughead's going to be more asexual in this season but then he does end up going to the makeup party later so i don't know um there was also a really weird editing choice where archie looks at veronica when she talks about the makeout party and he and then they do like an overlay of like a bumblebee and a flower and they're like and that's when <laughs> and that's oh, yeah. when archie the bumblebee fell in love with veronica the flower or whatever and i was like <laughs> what oh gosh um let's see veronica and betty chat about the party veronica's like i'm gonna go after archie and cheryl hears them storms out of the bathroom there's like several scenes of cheryl and tony like having conversations in front of the school but they never actually like uh i don't know they, they're just like in front of the school like can, can the two of them go talk somewhere else i feel like they they always have the same scene of cheryl like storming out of the school and tony waiting there to talk to her they're they're on different levels you know they don't have any of the same classes oh yeah they, they, yeah, that's probably. the only place they're gonna interact honestly does tony even go to the school or is she just hanging out outside i don't know <laughs> Oh wait, I, she was in point. the she was in the English class. Okay, we know yeah, that much. That's true. Um, tone era. Let's see. There's there's also this sort of runner of like. Veronica telling Betty that she just needs to be more direct with Kevin and tell her tell him what she wants. So Betty starts getting more direct. Like she, Kevin's like, I want to ditch the makeout party. But he's like, no, we're going. You need to prove that you love me. Um, which is when Kevin then runs away from her and finds Clay, who does tell him, hey, uh, I actually, I like boys. And if you could be discreet with that secret, that would be nice. So I feel like we're getting somewhere because it's like less, you know, like Kevin can't ignore something if, if someone has told him straight up. Like he maybe, you know, he thinks that Clay's hitting on him, but like doesn't sure. But now he knows. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah. And so if I if I want to explore that, you know, you kind of got a little bit more verbal confirmation there. Well, and maybe that's what's so sad about the the feeling of needing to hide is that they're trying to force these quote unquote interests in other people. Like so with Cheryl, it's Archie, and then with Kevin, it's Betty. It's it's sad to see them like force something so much that from what we're seeing from their desires, they're not wanting at all. Like right. so that that's what's I think that's part of what's so disappointing about yeah. it. It's it's uncomfortable to watch, like, because it almost makes it also feel like Betty is, like, the villain here in, in some scenes. Yeah. Like, and it's like, here's the thing. I'm not saying that just because they're dating that, like, Kevin needs to consent. Like, no, he doesn't at all. But it would be, it, it's, it's unfortunate that there's a reason, whether it's society or Betty's mom or Betty herself or whatever, where Kevin doesn't want to say, I'm just uncomfortable and don't want to be doing this, you know? And the fact that he 
can't say that is um it's not great you know because i because i don't think that like veronica is bad or wrong and i don't think that betty is bad or wrong in say in like being more direct and explaining what she wants it's just ideally that would be with a willing partner right so um all right so we uh it's really uncomfortable um betty is talking to archie and talking him through like how to start making out even though clearly neither of them really know it's just based on the book and she well, touches and that's his- where, again, you can figure it out on your own. Yeah. Like, because it seems like they got, they got to understand it very quick. And then this also makes it more obvious to Betty of how- How someone some- would respond. Yes. yes. And and how, how the excitement uh, displays itself. <laughs> yep. Because she touches his leg and then he has to grab her stuffed animal and run out of the room. So- uh, Pretty clear. God, like, poor stuffed animal. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> Um, all right. We get to the makeout party. Everyone plays post okay, office. Okay, hold on. Ugh. I didn't notice it until a little bit later in, but the added kissing sound effects were really setting me over the oh, edge I didn't towards notice. the end. It, I didn't it is. It's like, it's just, it's just, oh man. Is it as bad as the hair whip sound effects? I don't know when the hair whips happen. Go, go back and watch, go back and watch the Heathers episode. And anytime they're dancing and they whip their hair, it makes a noise like whoosh. It's like, I don't think we needed that. Yeah, I it just it's it's just the lip smacking thing and like I don't know I don't think I have like complete misophonia which is like the mouth noises yeah, yeah. you don't like but it was just like I don't need to have this added I mean I'm I'm seeing the visual I don't think yeah like the smacking added afterwards is just like no thank you. Could yeah, without. I, I didn't notice it, but I'll have to go back and, and check. Or I'm not going to go back <laughs> and check. I will, I will just in future episodes see if I notice. Um, yeah, so they, they play post office where all the guys have been delivered an envelope that matches a number from the girls. Fangs and Cheryl, she turns her cheek so he can't kiss her. Kevin and Midge, she holds his head still because he can't figure out exactly how to kiss her. Jughead and Betty, okay. <laughs> New theory about Bughead that I have coming in here. Here's my theory. I think the show realizes that they put themselves in a hole with all of the Jughead and Betty stuff from the beginning of time. Although weirdly, it's like they also have this like Jughead and Tabitha connection now that like if they ever get back to the present, I feel like I feel like there's two options. Jughead and Betty in this timeline will eventually get together. Tabitha will see that, recognize that and go, you know what? I'm just going to let them be happy and take herself out of the picture in terms of that relationship. That's option one. Option two, they want to put in a Jughead and Betty endgame, but it might only be in this timeline and if it happens it's going to only happen right at the end i don't think we're going to get like them dating i think it's going to be like a right at the end thing because i think they realize i think it would be impossible to not realize that they have like already established these end game couples and they just and they know they need to get there eventually but then they want to play around with it i think all i'm saying is jughead and betty kiss first off she says nice to meet you so apparently they don't know each other what and then like they literally cue this music cue when they kiss and it's when the camera sort of pans to look more at Jughead right as they're kissing and then there's a music cue that's like and it's like I think that's definitely that a sounds thing. like kiss from a rose <laughs> okay I don't know but it, I, I'm just saying I've been going back and forth because I know like last episode and the one before I was like it's over we're never getting it again why are they giving us this kind of thing if they if they I don't know I don't understand I think it's just a tease. Ah, I I, I really, I, I don't know. Well, because I I think it would be so much better if he's with Tabitha. But well, me it, too but at this the other point, thing, which is why I'm frustrated. But if they go back, I mean, honestly, who even cares if they go back? <laughs> just yeah, let them stay does. in the 50s. But just I end it here. The reason I'm mad is I have this vision of myself. Once Riverdale's over, I'm going to marathon the whole thing. And I want it to feel satisfying. And I think it's, it's like, did you ever watch One Tree Hill? Okay, well, I'll just say in one tree hill they had a love triangle guy and two girls and it was the plot of most of the first several seasons of him trying to decide which of the two girls to date they both liked him blah 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 blah. but they had kind of like tipped their hand to making it seem like one was like kind of going to be the end game one and it was the girl that he had liked first it was the girl he had liked from afar he had liked her first and then they sort of like dates this other girl for a while but by the end of the show he's going to get with the girl that he liked first the one from ahead like the beginning and I just feel like it would be weird not to end that way. And if you're not going to end that way, I don't know, though, because on the other hand, the reason that Betty and Jughead failed was because she cheated on him with Archie. So maybe maybe she's just Archie endgame. I don't know. 
anyway, it's it's unfortunate. This is why show if you didn't want Betty and Jughead to be together forever, you shouldn't have written them together so much. And I think you only did that because they were dating. So you shouldn't have done it's that. It's your fault. Yeah, it's, it's your fault. Show. Okay. Um. All right. I. I. We gotta. We gotta get get through this. It's, um, it's, so then everybody kind of ends up with who they intended to come with, and except for Julian is dissed by Veronica, and she wants to be with Jughead, and so they yeah. end up talking, and they have some interest together, and I really, I don't think that, that they would end up together, um, but I think it was kind of nice to see that they actually had a little bit more of a conversation here than maybe they've ever had. Because I think because when they've had conversations in RP, they, it was with this whole thing of like, well, you're my best friend's girlfriend, or you're my best friend's ex-girlfriend, or you're kind of, like, they're both pretentious, they're, but they're in different ways. around each other out of obligation. It's not because right. they want to be. And since we have this rewrite where Jughead may or may not know anybody, he may just be a complete loner, like they're saying. Like, I don't think he is Archie's best friend in this timeline. Um, I, He has the ability to actually bond with Veronica having no preconceived notions about each other, and um, they bond over liking Creature from the Black Lagoon, which is a movie that did come out in 1954, so good on them Different. for a relevant movie. From Blue Lagoon. Different from Blue Lagoon. If they bonded over Blue Lagoon, that would be odd. Also, okay. did not come out. One theory that I'm just thinking of, so Betty was definitely there when Jughead was going, quote unquote, like, revealing that they're from the future. Yes. And so... That scene is the one that mostly doesn't fit with this whole I'm like, wondering new version. If when, I'm wondering if when his memory was wiped, Tabitha also wiped everyone else's memory of everything about he had that said. event. Probably. And so then that's where that's where Betty's saying, oh, nice to meet you. That's very possible. But then why was he sitting with them at school when she brought up the makeout party? I don't know. Yeah, that still doesn't make they, sense. That doesn't, that doesn't yeah. make any sense. Um, all right. So, uh, yep. Then we already talked about Archie and Cheryl. Um, Betty tries to make out with Kevin. He's clearly uncomfortable. She try he tries, but Betty knows that he isn't excited. So Betty brings him the book at school. Um, and, uh, then Betty writes in her diary, dear diary, the makeout party was an unsurprisingly a disaster. I want Kevin to want me. I want to feel desired. I want to feel sexy. I want, I'm not sure how much more of this I can stand before I explode diary. Something has to change and soon. And then she sees Archie in his bedroom window. Um, Penelope asked Julian how their problem project of setting Cheryl up with a guy is going and he's like oh perfect I got her with Archie and then Cheryl shows off her hickey at breakfast and says like you said that Archie pinned her all the way and then she says Archie's an animal and that's the part where I was like is she lying because I feel like he's that's not what we've seen so far from him in this season Hannah's like I don't want to comment on this (laughs) I mean like I just think I just think Cheryl knows the best way to frustrate her family yes and this is how she's doing yep uh and then at the end of the episode Tony tells Veronica that she had fun, but she's playing the long game with someone, but doesn't want to reveal who. And Veronica says that she's not ruling Jughead out as a potential suitor. Oh, the door is open. Door's open. Let's go. That's a little joke for Laura, who doesn't listen to this podcast. Okay, I was, I didn't, I. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, all right, and that is Sex Education. Sex Education is a Netflix TV show uh, that started in January of 2019 and is still going on. It's about a socially awkward high school student named Otis who may have not have much experience in lovemaking department, but he gets good guidance on the topic in his personal sex ed course, living with his mom, Jean, who's a sex therapist. That is what the show is about. I've never watched it, but... Um, no, Dr. Werther's, I think, is a therapist in some manners, but I don't think that he's... a child psychologist who has some very uh, not great notions, so... Who was the most normal person of the week? I hmm. like Fangs for this. I feel like... Oh. Uh, I just... I liked his attitude at, at the party, and I was happy to see him. He didn't really do anything. He showed he up at the party do for much. one scene and kissed Cheryl on the cheek. Well, but that was Cheryl. And then, but then, you know, he has reactions to Tony's kiss and, you know, just wants to be with Mid. But maybe that's not enough. I mean, it's not, but I got no one better. So everyone else is a little bit. eh. Yeah. But you know what? Let's just give it to Fangs. (laughs) I I don't want to discuss this any further. Great. Well, uh, yeah, that was that was it for this week's episode. Hannah, you got anything else you want to talk about in terms of it? Anything from last week's episode that you want to mention from the sock hop? I liked your discussion on with yourself <laughs> on, on the the origin of sock hops because I was kind of curious. I was like, wait, why are they taking their shoes off? And I was like, oh, okay, because it's a sock hop. But then, like, why would you? Why would this happen? And, and like, 
I had heard the term sock hop before yeah. many times. I just never realized there was actually there were actually socks involved. Yeah, I'm surprised no one fell on the floor. I feel like that would have been like the, yeah, the like people to start solidifying. Sock sliding. Be yeah, fun. yeah, that'd be a good one. Great. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode. Thank you for joining us, and we will be back, or at least I'll be back, maybe with someone, maybe by myself. Who knows? It's the final season for episode four. Until then, you can follow me online at Frail Mary on every platform, and if you're interested, you can check out some of the other podcasts we have on our brand new kowskicast.com website that's cow with a k and uh yeah that's about it anything hannah what's your what's your pitch for something people should check out something fun well i have recently since i learned about it started listening to mess magnet (laughs) i think that's good they you know they took a break this week and so you have some time to catch up um i also started watching traders on peacock um it's a reality game show uh where there's oh. some people from there's some people from other reality uh-huh. TV and then there's some like quote unquote normal people that are intermingled in and um yeah so I've been enjoying that. You as someone who has not watched a lot of Survivor, uh did you watch the season of Traders with Sari Fields? No, but she's she's in Traders, yeah. That's what okay. I'm watching. Okay. I love Suri, so that's that's all I wanted to say on that. Um, Kirsten is not here this week, ha- was not here this week or last week because she is traveling, but uh, I will just say that if you want to check out anything she's doing, check out Kirsten Said What on Twitter, and you can find links to all her other projects, BoJack Horse Pod, other RHAP things, and like Hannah said, Mess Magnets, which is my favorite podcast, so definitely listen to that. All right, everyone, until next time. Bye! <laughs> You have to do hers when she's not here.